It's three for the price of one on the latest episode of Soundtracking, the screen music podcast with me, Edith Bowman. First up is actress, producer and now director Olivia Wilde, who makes her debut behind the camera with the fantastic Booksmart. A coming-of-age comedy drama starring Caitlin Dever and Beanie Feldstein. It boasts a killer soundtrack and a super cool score by Dan the Automator, of which more shortly. And as if that weren't enough, we then have director Dexter Fletcher and composer Giles Martin, who joined forces to fabulous effect on the Elton John musical biopic Rocketman, starring Taron Egerton in the lead role and Jamie Bell as Elton's longtime collaborator Bernie Taupin. The film features all the classics reworked for the purpose of the narrative by Giles. But we begin with Olivia, who I can assure you loves and knows her music. As I mentioned, she's used a number of great needle drops in Booksmart, including tracks by LCD Sound System, Lizzo and Anderson Pack. Dan the Automator, meanwhile, complements her choices with his score, which more than passes as a standalone work of beats, breaks and dreamy electronica. <laughs> Olivia, congratulations on Booksmart. I 
Loved it. Oh, good! I wish I'd had this film when I was that age. Me too. There was a lot of them around for the lads. Yes. But they were not around for the girls. Exactly. And then when we did have films about girls, it was about one girl. Yeah. And where was the friendship? Because that's what is necessary about it, I think. it's If we were just celebrating one super intelligent, powerful girl, it would still make her seem as though she was an anomaly. When what we're suggesting is, this isn't unique. Women are brilliant and horny and <laughs> silly and funny and messy and curious, and it's not actually an anomaly. We look yeah. around you, like, appreciate us for our multidimensional complexity. We're complicated characters. Yes. <laughs> We are. <laughs> that should be celebrated. Yes. Um, we're going to talk about music in a bit because music is a huge part of this yes, film. Yeah. And I believe also a big part in your kind of atmosphere on set and stuff as well. Exactly. But I'd really like to go back to find out what it was about Booksmart that grabbed you. I think it was the French, I think it was also the unapologetic nature of the girls' attitude towards their own intelligence. Mm. They weren't trying to assimilate. It wasn't a story about two young women who are very, very nerdy and all they want is to become popular and so they go through some sort of makeover montage and they transform themselves and lo and behold, they're accepted and a boy loves them and it's the <laughs> end of the movie. I mean, it's, that sounds so ludicrous, but that is the plot of several films mm. that we were raised to appreciate and aspire towards. It's instead a story about two young women who are unabashedly, unapologetically smart, and they love it, and they're mm -hmm. kind of gangster about their intelligence. They're like, yeah, we're brilliant. What they don't realize is that other people may also be that smart without kind of wearing it on their sleeve. Other people might be smart and also having a lot of fun or also having a lot of sex or also just being kind of quiet about their intelligence. And so rather than being an assimilation story, it's just about them learning to see others and therefore they can feel seen themselves but most importantly and I think what got me mm. was that it's about their friendship yeah. and it's about the kind of devotion to one another and their admiration for each other. There's some really brilliant moments and the way that you're able to encompass so much within this film you know you laugh there's a lot of emotion in it as well which I think yeah. is 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 wonderful and really 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 important but I wanted to ask you about first day on set for you yeah as a director on your first full-length feature film. Yeah. What was that like for you? How are you feeling? I was so excited. <laughs> I was so excited because, well, first of all, we prepared very carefully. Mm -hmm. I mean, I basically made the movie in prep. I mean, I, I had rehearsed with all the actors. I had rehearsed on location, which is something I never have done as an actor, which is an amazing thing, and I recommend it to everyone making movies. <laughs> Rehearse on location when you can, particularly when it's a story about people living in their hometowns, living in a bedroom for a long time, and then you expect the actor to just walk in and immediately seem like they had built the room for themselves. I wanted them to literally build the rooms for themselves. Yeah. So I linked the actors with the production designer and the art department, and everybody worked together to create the environment Amazing. of these actors, and it allowed for a kind of creative license on the part of the cast, where they felt involved kind of mm. like within the bedrock of the film. They were involved as opposed to just being kind of invited to take part, which is how I feel actors are treated on so many movie sets. Then welcome. Yeah. Learn that and then, yeah. Exactly, welcome to this kind of chaotic <laughs> film set, which is a lot like a construction site, just messy and loud. Do your thing very quickly and leave so we can go to lunch, as opposed to you are a part of this creative team. What do you think your character's bedroom feels like? Let's build it together. So... I think that my first day, because we had prepared so carefully, mm -hmm. I was just excited to see what happened. Because <laughs> when you've done your homework, then you can actually be yeah. flexible and available for surprises. You just wanted to get on with it. 
Yeah. I was like, let's do it. Let me see this thing come to life. Was it was it a, a really lovely experience, you know, um, finding your collaborators and deciding yes. who you were going to work with along the way? Yes. I mean, the collaboration was extraordinary with every single department. Mm. I mean, I remember when I met my production designer, Katie Byron, and she said, Oh, I, I am these girls. I know the story. And she really did, in her bones, understand the emotional journeys of these characters. Yeah. And then our cinematographer, Jason McCormick, who was a man, but still totally empathized emotionally mm -hmm. and was down for the challenge of making a comedy really kind of stylish in a way that my, my hopes and dreams were aiming towards, but I didn't know if it was possible, and he made it a reality. The collaboration with both of them and with them, them putting them together, you know, <laughs> that's the amazing thing that I never had experienced as an actor. It's like, God, the bonds that form in pre-production that are such an integral part of a film. Yeah. And how kind of, how they're, how they're created. Like, I just was in awe of watching all these creative people come together to realize my weird vision. Like, the gratitude was overwhelming. One collaboration that kind of changed my life was um, my relationship with our screenwriter, Katie Silberman, who now, I and mean, we're already writing another film together, oh, and fantastic. I just love her so much. And it was a gift of Booksmart to bring her into my life, and we just completely linked up when we met. I was looking for a screenwriter to rewrite the script with me, and I met her, and she had all these brilliant ideas. And from the moment we started talking, it was like, oh, my God, you're the other half of my brain. Where have you been? <laughs> so in a way, we were like Molly and Amy on set, which yeah. the girls kind of looked towards. And they were like, it's weird to have an older version of us here. <laughs> yeah. And when that stretches to music as well, I'm working with your music supervisor, Brian yes. Lang, and yes. also Dan the Automator on the yes. score side of things. Because there are so many big, brilliant songs in this film and they're not just thrown in there for no. the sake of being they have a purpose yes because i believe that i mean music as a tool for emotional manipulation is unmatched and it's valuable i mean i have for my entire life watched films and been extraordinarily inspired by the music that a mm. filmmaker would choose every filmmaker from uh tarantino to cameron crowe to i mean amy heckerling mm. and i mean both in fast times and in clueless think about those soundtracks and what they allowed the stories to become. I mean, it infuses a scene with so much emotion and so much intention. Mm -hmm. And so I was very excited to create the soundtrack, but I didn't think we would get all the artists that we did. I mean, it was a true gift to hear when each of them would agree to be a part of Booksmart, because of course we couldn't afford any of them. <laughs> so the fact that they said, I'll give you this deal because I believe in this story. Wow. Was enormous. And I mean, I remember writing to James Murphy of LCD Sound System and saying, listen, I wish I could pay you your quote because you deserve it because you're so brilliant and I love you so much and I've seen you live so many times and like <laughs> fantasized about the scenes I would direct to your music. I mean, I actually spent years Im imagining what I would direct to LCD Sound System and then to have it in the film. Oh baby, yeah. Just blew my mind.
personal approach to most people then about, yeah. I believe in a personal approach to every part of the process and everything, but (laughs) specifically with filmmaking, like it is in the end a group of people gathering to just tell a story. Mm -hmm. And you, you can't let formality or bureaucracy get in the way of what is just a creative exchange of ideas. Mm-hmm. So keeping the humanity of it and the kind of equality that I think is necessary to allow people to feel valued, I think unfortunately in a lot of film sets, there is a necessary hierarchy that allows for efficiency when making a film. Mm-hmm. But what it does is create this distance between departments that I think gets in the way, particularly mm-hmm. between the cast and the crew. I mean, I, I've been on several sets where no one ever introduced me to the camera operators. And I'd say like, this is a person who's like one foot from my face yeah. when I'm emoting and trying to be vulnerable. And like, you know, you think about theater when it's yeah. just such a close-knit group of people and there's such a shared trust. And then film sets are weirdly isolated. I mean, everyone's weirdly isolated from each other. Yeah. There's something kind of sterile about the experience and I don't really know where it came from. But it must be broken through in order to achieve anything <laughs> great, I think. So Sounds like you did it on this. Well, we use music. <laughs> we use music, honestly. Like, I played music all what, the time. What'd you play? I played a lot of hip-hop, especially mm-hmm. because we were shooting a lot of nights. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing, like, four weeks straight of nights, you just need to keep everyone awake. <laughs> and I wanted to keep everyone... There was a kind of, like, gutsiness and, and a, a kind of boldness to the attitude of the movie that I was going mm-hmm. for, and I just... I wanted to keep everyone kind of deep in their, I don't know, there's like a, like a strength, a kind of like gangster attitude towards yeah. the story. Uh-huh. Even though it has emotional moments and in the end it's supposed to be funny and make you laugh, I just wanted to keep everyone kind of like feeling kind of bold and gutsy <laughs> and keeping everyone kind of moving and grooving to the same gutsy <laughs> rhythms. And so I used, I mean, I played a lot of Kendrick Lamar. Nobody pray for me. a lot of Lizzo, who was new to a lot of people at that point, and I was excited. I was like, may I present you with your new favorite artist? Yeah. I love um, you having in the film as well. It's great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Like, to have Lizzo on the soundtrack with Santi Gold and the Kaylee 47. And Likey Lee as uh, well. Yes. yes. That cover is just my so favorite. Great. What you say, boy? You trying to play court like a game boy? Hit my phone, boy. Is your homeboy? Are you alone, boy? Come give me dome, boy. Got a boy with degrees, a boy in the streets, a boy on his knees, he a man in the sheets. Sheesh, it's all Greek to me. Got this boy speaking Spanish. I hit my beard. Baby, I don't need you. 
image of you arriving on set every day you're probably there before everyone else anyway but mm-hmm. but with your kind of with your headphones around your neck almost kind of ready to DJ everybody yes. into the kind of and today's would, shoot exactly people would kind of wait for the music to come on they'd be like Were we? and then <laughs> she got they'd trickle in and I would just press play and everyone was like all right, yes, we're at work. And it made it feel like a party in a useful way, not in the messy way, but just sense that, like, we were all here doing something that is supposed to be fun. Mm -hmm. Like, we didn't become bankers for a reason. (laughs) But why are so many film sets so dull? And it's like this whole, the whole adage of, like, hurry up and wait. I was like, no, hurry up and work. Let's keep everyone, like, moving. What, you know, I just... Part of it's out of necessity when you have very little time to shoot a yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. But part of it is just like, let's just shift the way this experience tends to work. I just like make it. it better. Do you think because of that, that informed some of the decisions you made on the songs that ended up in the film as well? Yes, then? absolutely. Almost yeah. trying them out on... Yeah, on... trying them out. And some of them I knew, you know, we actually couldn't afford no matter what <laughs> happened. But then, yeah, like I remember I was playing Anderson Pack and that song, The Come Down, which I love so much. And it just had such a great rhythm. It's a bass line actually written by um, Dr. Dre, and it's why it feels so iconic. And everything felt so right about it. And I was like, yes, this one I will go for and try to keep. Mm. Y'all niggas got me hot. cutting the pool, underwater pool scene. Yeah. Oh. And I just threw on Perfume Genius just to kind of see it. It's a song called Slip Away. And it was one of those magical moments where it fit perfectly as though we had choreographed it to, yeah. There's something, I'm just going off thinking about it. Like, 
magical synchronicity. Mm. And it even ended with these kind of discordant tones that matched the emotional state of Amy in that moment. And I was like, wow. Don't hold back. I want to break free. Cause it's singing through your body. And I'm carried by the sound. Every drum, every single beat, they were born from your body. And I'm carried by the sound. from Perfume Genius and him saying like, that's very weird. It's like we wrote it for this scene. And I was like, I think somehow we all did. We've all made this together. <laughs> but I, like I, you know, having directed music videos before yeah. this, I knew that for me, I have such, I mean, I cannot play music and I can't sing to save my life, but my admiration mm -hmm. for musicians runs deep. And my way of honoring musicians has always been to tell stories with their music. And I think this film was a way to say, let's use all these different visionary artists together to tell something, mm. to, to, to say something. I think that's important. Totally. And then when you bring Dan into that as well, to, yes. to complement those kind of needle drops, so to speak, yes. and, and then getting the tone right and making that synergy between the two work really well. That's right. Was that an easy thing or, or how did you? Yeah, I mean, And so, why him as well? So Dan the Automator, I mean, I've been a fan of his for a really long time in his collaborations with everyone from Gorillaz to Danger Mouse to, I mean, he's just so prolific and has a truly encyclopedic knowledge of music. Yeah, not just the principle. Cool. Nothing more exciting or daunting than the blank page, you know? That's one of the books I'm thinking about doing is a book of quotes. Nothing more daunting or exciting than the blank page. emotional terms and he would turn that into beats. He would turn it into tones. I would say, I want it to be kind of like anticipatory, but also sexy, but a little 
anxiety ridden, but with a tinge of curiosity. And he'd be like, all right. <laughs> and, and you know, I, he also was so good at matching, as you're pointing out, you know, the several needle drops that would be surrounding a piece of score mm. and trying to create a score that would be cohesive and also reflect the kind of changing emotional journeys of the characters. Mm. But I thought, we can still emotionally manipulate effectively with score without using just orchestral strings and tones. We can use breakbeats that feel energetic in the way that I want the movie to feel, but still emotional. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. And then completely switch it up. Like, he created the most amazing piece for the moment Amy leaves the pool all the way through the fight. And once I heard it, I knew I was actually gonna drop the dialogue down so that you would just fill the mm. soundscape with the score and feel kind of swept away by it. But I could only do that because Dan was creating such dynamic, nuanced <laughs> sounds. Yeah. It's really bonkers to think this is your first full-length feature, and it does feel like along the way be that, you know, as a producer, as an actress, as a director of shorts, music videos, you've yeah. been a sponge. Yes. And you've just taken everything in because it's such a kind of brilliant film and you can you feel so confident in your conviction of everything in the film. I think that I was a sponge for the past 17 years, just paying attention <laughs> on every set and working for really brilliant people, whether it was Spike Jones or Scorsese or Ron Howard or Reed Morano mm. or all these people that I just worship, but I paid a lot of attention, I asked a lot of questions and they were very generous with their time answering said questions that were relentless. <laughs> but I realized that, you know, for a, for a long time, I thought I can't direct a movie because I didn't go to film school. And I had a kind of insecurity about this hole in my education that I thought made it impossible for me to take that leap. Yeah. And once I realized, what I have been to film school, I just created it for myself. And then that allowed me to feel a certain amount of confidence. Like, you know what you're doing, this is your language. Mm -hmm. But the most important lesson is hire brilliant people. 
hire brilliant people and treat them with respect and set them free to do their best work. Mm. So if I learned any lesson from all those great directors, it was that, and it showed me confidence comes from trust. And I trusted the right people. And, and you've instilled that in your, your team as well from just talking to Dabini and Caitlin as well. Yeah. And I didn't realize that they'd lived together as well. Kind yes. Of, because you can't, as, as good an actor as you are, you can't make that spark happen no. on screen. No. And the way that they are together and the timing and the how fast it is sometimes, how slow it is it sometimes as well that they talk to each other and communicate. Yes. It's so perfect. It's you cannot fake chemistry. Mm. And it and their chemistry has to be for this story layered. Mm -hmm. It has to run deep. It has to be that specific kind of friendship that starts at a very young age. You have to have seen each other grow yeah. up. It's very different than our friendships with our adult friends who we met in adulthood. Mm. And I knew, without putting too much pressure on them, I knew that the movie would live or die based on their chemistry. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> so when they met, I realized I'd cast them separately and in my head they'd kind of worked perfectly, but I was like, oh my god, they've never met. What if they hate each other? I can't control that. And they met and they instantly loved each other. Mm. And I said, you guys should live together. Just kind of blurted it out within five minutes of them meeting and they were like, yes! <laughs> and the trust, I mean, this is the thing about working with young actors. Young actors are available to commit 100%. Yeah. Older actors are like, well, I've got a family. I've got two kids in preschool. Can't <laughs> yeah. possibly show up that early. They were like, 24-7, in Booksmart. And what was extraordinary is they not only lived together, they kind of isolated themselves from their other friends. Yeah. for the length of pre-production and production wow. so that they would only really know and see and speak to each other, which is what you feel when you watch it. Yeah. And it led to moments that were spontaneous and really valuable, like the dancing in the beginning when they come out of the apartment building and they're dancing. That's just them. No. Oh my God, that's amazing. And I saw them doing it one day on at base camp and I was like, that's now the beginning of the <laughs> Last thing before we go, Alanis Morissette, is that your karaoke song? It's one of them. Good. I can't come <laughs> close to Alanis. But I really want, I thought, we need a classic karaoke song that actually shows off Amy and her specific skill. Mm -hmm. And I just love it. I did not think we were going to get it. I mean, that's another gift. I mean, I owe a lot to Alanis for saying, sure, you can have this. You truly can't <laughs> afford me, but I'm going to give you this. And it's her year now, Jagged Little Pill on Broadway. Like, it's, it's the yeah. return of Alanis, and I support that. Well, listen, congratulations on this. I hope there's many more to come as, you. uh, as in your role as a director. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Thank Olivia. you so Thank much. You. Nice Such to meet you. Pleasure. Yeah, you too. I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. I know the version of me. Is she perverted like me? Would she go down on you in a theater? Does she speak eloquently? And would she have your baby? I'm sure she'd make a really excellent mother. Cause the love that she gave every day was a
Wilde's book smart, that's You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette, rounding off the first part of our soundtracking double header. Booksmart is on general release around the world now and you can find a video of my chat with Olivia by heading to our socials. We are at Soundtracking UK. And so to Dexter Fletcher and Giles Martin's Elton John musical biopic Rocketman. The pair worked hand in glove on the project throughout with Giles reorchestrating Elton's back catalogue to suit Dexter's dramatic needs. But all of this would have counted for nothing without Taryn Edgerton, who is quite simply magnificent in the lead role. Dexter Giles. Hello. Welcome to Soundtracking. I have pretty much walked from Leicester Square, The View, to here, having just come out of your film. Oh, have you? And I loved it. Oh my God, it's so good. That's one person. One person. person. Can you you tell someone else? uh, Well, I've already been insta-living about it. But I'll tell you what it is. There's, you kind of, you know, growing up and loving his music, but Mm. the way you've told this story, Mm -hmm. uh, the structure of it, the narrative, the performances. He's great. um, And just the way that the music is seamless and really subtle, even though these are huge numbers that Mm -hmm. we all know. Mm weave into the narrative and the storyline, the lyrics and all that kind of stuff. It's so clever. I don't know where to start. I really okay, don't know where to okay. start. Okay. Right. You, you, you made a good go. start. I won't have something you interview. <laughs> and thank you. Goodbye. Say anymore. Um, I guess the first question is why you wanted to make a film about Elton John and why you said yes to direct him. Uh, well, it, it was presented to me as a musical and uh, that already was an exciting idea and, and, and Matthew Vaughan phoned me and went, uh, you know, Taron as Elton, R-rated musical. Just a really good idea because yeah. I know Taron, I knew he could I knew he could act, and I had an inclination he could sing. Although Giles tried to convince me otherwise, I ignored him. <laughs> no, and but um, I but also know you know from the outside, there's this incredible period of Elton's life that is full of all this kind of drama and things that we think we know. Yeah, and, and that that was what really engaged me and got me kind of uh, excited. Yeah, that it's what you think you know, but then let's have a look beyond that. Yeah, and Lee's script, which is which we were just talking before you arrived mm. here about how. How how he got into that world in terms of was it something that he him and Elton sat down and worked on together because you know you have a certain you have creative license with mm. film that's kind of you mm-hmm. know, you're you're watching a film you're not watching a photograph so yeah, it's yeah. kind of but it feels so authentic and real 
and because he's self-deprecating in it, you know, there's all these kind of different sides to him that we see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's also a great testament to Taron because Taron knows him well. Very quickly, you sit in his company, you understand that that's what Elton's like. Uh, but yes, it is inherent in, in Lee's script because the stories and the anecdotes, if that's what they were, came from Elton's own mouth and mm. mind. And I think that's the strength of what Lee's done is he's found the emotional truth of where Elton was in those particular moments. And then our challenge is to then string that all together, put, bring that all together. with, And when when it can't do that dramatically, we can do it musically. Yeah. You know, we've got these great yeah. songs. And, and Elton is so open. He's so open to ideas, new ideas. He's so open as a person that when Lee obviously spent time writing the script, but then Taron spent time with him learning how to be Elton. In a kimono. In, <laughs> in, <laughs> they spent hours in kimonos together. Um, it, 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 it just enhanced the performance. I and mean, it's that thing about doing a biopic with someone who's around and readily available. Mm. You can tap into their yeah. sensibilities, and Taron did that. But the yeah. music is so unique in terms of, of what you've done with it, in terms of it's not just these songs, Yellow Brick Road, Rocket Man, all that kind of stuff that we, the versions that we know, all these songs have been reworked and kind of played with and moulded in a, in, a, in a really subtle way, but mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. specifically for Tarden in the film. Yeah. Where did you start with that? Deciding well, on the songs that would be well, in the, it? Well, the songs were in the script. Okay. And then, again, Matthew Vaughan approached me about the project and said, you know, it is a fantasy musical. Meet Dexter. <laughs> He's a is this the first time that you met then? Yeah, we, we'd never well. met before. We'd never wow. met before this project. We'd actually been on a plane to the Deanard Film Festival. And we didn't know and that. We didn't know that. But we, uh, we yeah, we, he Wow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd never met before. And we sort of just, we just started talking, you know, we, 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 we flew out to Vegas to go and see Elton, myself and Dexter. And yeah. and had a bonding experience out. We did. Was that through nerves? He lunch. No, he, <laughs> he did us the greatest favour. He did us the greatest. We were meant to be on official duty, and David phoned me. We were in the limo because that's where we spend most of our time these days. Yes, And 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 David said, you know, could we delay till tomorrow? So we went. I've I've got a, sh- a Beatles show called Love out there. So we went to go to the love show and then we had dinner and then we yeah. ended up having a... Oh, and some bad gambling. We bad gambling, yeah. We were really to, bad at gambling. I, I, I had to borrow $100 on Giles. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this but, is the true test of the this, relationship. This is 100 bucks, Giles. <laughs> yeah. See if he hands it over. Yeah, he's, he's, I, I just watched Dexter go down. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I creamed off the top. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, this is going to really test him. Does he really, really... Does he know I'm the boss? <laughs> what did you so, want to get from Elton? Why was it important for you to, to speak to him and what were the things you wanted to ask him? I had a lot of things I wanted to ask him, a lot of things. But what was the genius of it? it was What was great was that Giles came with me. Now, it's really good because Elton knows Giles and feels rather comfortable around him. And Giles has this brilliant way of being completely unfazed by huge, iconic <laughs> megastars. You do. It's because you grew truth. up around him. Yeah, he's like, yeah, Bjorn, whatever, Elton. Anyway, what time can we go get a burger? And, and I'm like... <laughs> We landed in Vegas, I mean, literally on Monday, I'm sort of at home working away and I get got old Elton wants lunch on Wednesday. I'm like, great, yeah, he's in Vegas. So I was like, okay, this is definitely taking a turn that's very interesting. I've not gone further than Soho for lunch before. So I'm, I'm suddenly on the road to Vegas with Giles. Uh, but, and he did this great favour that he, he had to cancel lunch. So we had a date to ourselves and, and then Giles turns up very, very unfazed by it all. Uh, but I had all these questions and, and the conversation quickly became very open, very candid, very honest. 
Elton and Giles started talking about some mutual friend, some woman who used to work. Yeah, my sister. Oh, your sister. Was it? Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> random yeah, woman. Yeah. So that's some random woman. I think it was somebody. I, I only have a vague recollection of it. Yeah, that's what, oh, your sister. But but the way, but his approach to it, you know, he said he he basically said to myself and Dex, he goes, I trust you. I trust you as a director and. And Giles, I trust you to do whatever you want with the music. It was kind of nerve wracking at the same time yeah. as being, okay, we have this, we have this, we've been handed this baton, mm -hmm. we've been handed this thing. So let's just use our own personality, our character, our love for what we do, mm -hmm. and try mm -hmm. and create something really special. Yeah. And I think both myself and Dexter, even though you know we're like a, a posh and cockney version of Laurel and Hardy, we are we we do have the same sensibility. We just mm -hmm. want to have fun, but we want to create something really really good mm -hmm. and stirring. We talked about musicals we loved. We mm -hmm. talked about musicals we didn't like. Yeah. Tell me some. Well, I mean, I, I talked about Mary Poppins because I love Mary Poppins. Yeah. I, know it's I don't like Stay on the positive. It's I, about I, what you like I don't like Mary Poppins. Jim Jiminy, Jim Jiminy, Jim Jim Chiru. I does what I likes and I likes what I do. Hello, art lovers. Today I'm a screever, and as you can see, a screever's an artist. A various degree. And it's all me own work from my own memory. Jim Jiminy, Jim Jiminy, Jim Jim Jeroo. I draws what I likes, and I likes what I drew. No remuneration do I ask of you, but me cap would be glad of a copper or two. Me cap would be glad of a copper or two. What do you, what do you love? What do you like? What do I like? All that jazz, yeah. cabaret. West Side uh, Story? West Side Story, you're yeah, a bit. Still, guys, I'm on the edge with Dexter's Bedside just a story. bit more camp than me. I get that's, it. That's all it is. Oh, yeah, it is. But I also like, you know, like Singing in the Rain. I'm mad, yeah, I love mad, singing bad I love for Singing in the, in the Rain. I'm mad, and bad that, for American and so it's And so that's more to do with, and it's what you take from that. So like in that case, Dex is more to with scale. And I'm more to the personalization of an actor being able to sing and that transition. Singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling, we're happy again. to make sure those transitions if we were going to make them we were going to make you know like rocket man is obviously a music transition when you've been watch the movie but a lot of the songs are go from speech into 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 song and they mm -hmm. have to and the music builds around them and we had a great singer in town great a great actor and great singer in town where we should build both picture and sound around this focal point and that's what we did and it was the it was that you know dex is the most is one of the most the best collaborative process i've had where I would just go Likewise, off and go. What yeah. do you What do you think of this? And mm. you know, this is what this is what I think the music should be saying. It was, it was, it was fun. Wasn't yeah, it? Giles is very quickly attuned. It's going to be a bit of a love fest to me and Giles, but he's very quickly attuned to what it is that I sometimes struggle to vocalise with, with Taron because I don't have necessarily the the, uh, the right musical approach because I'm much more of a dilettante when it comes to that. You know, which is fine because Giles can go. I think what you're getting at is that because he and I very quickly and clearly understood what it is. And, you know, there was very little that we didn't agree on in terms yeah. of what we were, what we're hearing, whereas Giles understood how to move it's it. It's that thing where, you know, you're, you're dealing with, a, you're dealing with a, if you're dealing with an actor who sings, 
you know, that I don't think I've ever been on a set with, with someone like Dexter where you, you know, actors love him because he can act and because he understands acting. Mm. Well, you was in one of my favourite musical films of all time, Bugsy Malone, well, so there, there we go. go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And in the same way that with a singer like Taron, you know, when he is a singer in the studios or on set, yeah. there's certain things that you need to understand to get him to that place. Mm. And it's slightly different, and it's and, and we have to work together on that because Dexter goes to me, why is he doing this? <laughs> yeah. And I'll go, well, it's doing this good, and I'll go and talk to him. I know, don't yeah. talk, I'll go and talk to him yeah, about yeah. this is yeah, my, yeah, yeah. this is now my domain. My side, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and because we both have such a good relationship with Taron and get on very well with him, it was, it was easy, mm. you know. And he's actually very open as a person, as an actor, as an artist, to go, okay, I'll try that. What were you like as a child, Elton? As a child? I was just the five When I was five Brazen king, I'll spit in your eye Times are changing, never quite get fat But the fever's gonna catch you when the bitch gets back Keep it on a Friday, that's alright Evil like stack on Saturday night I convinced the best that you so you should do I get high in the evening, still with eyes of glue You forget you're watching a musical, and you kind of screen and describing it as a fantasy musical. Is yeah, that because yeah, there, there are fantasy, elements, yeah, you know, yeah. there's some really brilliant moments of mm. kind of imagery and stuff, and and but also that I think reflects the emotion of what the either the crowd are going through or, or mm. the, the people in it. And just in terms of preparing them for when you're actually rolling camera, what's done pre rolling camera in terms of recording, prep, all that kind of thing. It must have been really intense, even before the camera started rolling. Yeah, I mean, well, certainly, you know, we have rehearsals for those scenes and things mm. develop out of that. But most things had been pre-recorded, you know, yeah. like Joel said, in the script. And, we, and of course, we had to get people in the studio and pre-record them. But that didn't mean that we didn't leave ourselves the option for them to do it there and then on the yeah. day. And, and have, and have a be. sorry, and have a piano player on stage as well on the on the on the stage, so we could, you know, I think I think what we wanted to do is just leave ourselves open to anything we wanted to do. You know, you need to. Get, you're, going to you're going to have to roll cameras and shoot something. <laughs> yeah. So let's make sure we're prepared when we do it. Yeah. And mm. even if it's and that was that we we Dex and I first started. It was like I just said to Dex, I said, 
just let me get a whole lot of things wrong and then I'll let you get them right. Yes, you yes. know, that's and the he way he was to good do. to his word. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, he was good to his word. It's amazing we wow. finished the film. Yes. I was like, please, Giles, it's three weeks. It opens. It's going to be out there. It's like, just bear with me. I'm just not getting things wrong. Yes, just don't, don't I'm going to add some tambourine. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've got an idea for bagpipe string your song. <laughs> what was there? I mean, I don't want to ask you what your favourite kind of musical piece in the film was, but is it one that's most memorable? rather than your favourite, in terms of, you know, it being tricky or it just being a breeze to do or I, what I, it does for the film. Yeah, I do love I Want Love. I want love, but it's impossible A man like him, so irresponsible A man like him is dead in places other men feel liberated I can't love shot full of holes Don't feel nothing, I just feel cold Don't feel nothing Just old scars Toughening up that Taron sings ironically enough I mean you go through phases with different things but the orchestration in I Want Love can never be loud enough for me now it's do you know what I mean yeah. it's just so spot on and Steve Mack's voice is just yeah. Kit Connor's voice is just sublime and 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 Bryce and Gemma you know there's just the four of them and yeah. it's just in, it's, it's very domestic well. it's yeah. raw but there's this strings and this kind of heart underneath it that is full of this extraordinary cinematic musical moment for me and I and and I I really want it to land for people I don't know what, do you know what I mean yeah. like, I know what it is in my heart and my mind and Giles brings all of that to bear you know and they do with their voices as well and the set is brilliant it's a set you know it's, yeah. it was built by Marcus Rowland it's, it's an incredible 1950s house realised and we do it in four shots they just it's, camera just sort of glides around the house with them you look at it it's no more than four or five shots in that whole sequence we've done that before yeah. in terms of those like we did that in Sunshine Link with Peter Mullen that kind of thing yeah. that really like literally like pulled my heart yeah, out yeah 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 Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure I am. Me neither. How weird. That Peter was bizarre. Peter Mullen is in my, was in my yeah. watch. But um, how did you, in terms of deciding how you would rework the songs and orchestrate them and where you would take them, was that an easy thing to kind of navigate in terms of it's, how much you I, changed and no, what I, you changed? I think you have realised, you read the script and talk to, I talked to Dexter then you just think, I'll just say to, I'll say to Dexter, I think I've got, I think I think I've got an idea about this. I think I know what to do. And then go, go away and do it. 
you know, I mean, someone like Rocket Man for me was a was was a big song just because that was done from picture boards, mm. and I wanted to get the sound of an orchestra underwater. What does it sound like? What's the what the sounds like? We ended up actually scraping my fingers against the top of a piano to get the sound of cracking bubbles and stuff like that, and doing interesting stuff with that. Last night, pre-flight Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high As a kite by then I miss the earth so much I miss my life Lonely out in space On such a timeless flight So it's just, you just think, okay, how do we evoke, if I can paint a picture with sound, then when we go to shoot it, then the picture will be even better. That's the that's that's what you think. So, Another really good example is Don't Let the Sun Go Down Me in this film. starts with Elton in a studio with one note on a piano. Yeah. Now, that's absolutely Giles. It's like, it's going to be one note. It's just ding, ding. And I know immediately that's brilliant because what I need there now is him as isolated. Him as lonely, and there's no lonelier sound than a grand piano playing one no. note, yeah. and then the voice coming out of that, and then her her joining that moment. That's dramatically why it's so powerful, and 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 it's one note. I can't lie. No more of your darkness All my pictures Seem to fade to black and white I'm growing tired And time stands still before Frozen here on the ladder of my life. 
save yourself from falling Take a chance And change your way of life And that is, is very much born of discussion that we have and Giles come and say I have an idea for this that we we want to try I'm like great I'll take all the credit for that but go ahead do it Giles you know what I mean yeah. so that, it, that's that's where it's very very satisfying and rewarding that collaborative kind of it's music it's, and, it's, and film yeah. yeah in some ways it's like doing a score the other way around where you're scoring the picture before it's been shot and yeah. then you can sit and listen to it and imagine how, and then that may influence how Dexter shoots it if, if he's happy with the, with the way it is. And we, I mean, Tony Dancer, I went back and did. I mean, no one actually asked me to. I think I did about five different versions of that because I, I wasn't happy. I couldn't get but it to where sit do you right. start with Tony Dancer, man? It's like yeah. a lot of these songs are like, you know, they're <coughs> perfect songs or they're they're kind of like. Well, that's bit, that's it, the, 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 the real daunting task of what it is. Yeah, you know, with, it's, it's all about the scene. It's all about, it doesn't matter. It's not a question of, it's kind of a question of making a better version of Elton John's song. It's making the song fit the scene of the movie. Mm. That's the key thing. If it mm. doesn't tell the story, it doesn't matter what it yeah. is. It doesn't matter how many string players are on there or whatever we do with it. It doesn't tell the story. Then it's completely, you know, as soon as, as, soon as someone starts listening to an interpretation, a musical interpretation that I have done of an Elton John song and not watching the film, then I'm, not, I'm doing a really bad job. It's as simple as that. It's so like this morning I went to go and check the sound in the cinema for our premiere tonight. And I said to a guy, it's good because I've started watching the film. <laughs> you know, that's the key. You know, that's yeah, the, yeah. You yeah. Know, it's all, it all leads to what Dexter's vision is and what the film is. Blue jean, baby. Yeah, lady. Seamstress for the band. Pretty eyes. Smile. You'll marry a music man. Ballerina, you must have seen her dancing in the sand. Now she's in me. It's made me sort of. I'm, I'm, I think you, as a person who listens to music, you're either a melody person or a lyric mm. person. Your first, your first go-to thing. I'm a melody person, and then I, I kind of the lyrics come later. Yeah. But it's made me sort of re, sort of address all those lyrics in those songs mm -hmm. and Goodbye Yellow Brick Road particularly, and and how poignant that is at the time in his life yeah. and what's been written about as well and you know you, you you know that these songs are coming from a true place that when bernie wrote the lyrics and stuff but well, you have a whole other that's, meaning that's now. a really good example of how dex i think you phoned me up or we met and you said 
how about this? Bernie. Bernie seems good by the way to tell. Mm-hmm. That was that was that was Dexter. And, and I thought, I said, yeah, great. And then I was thinking, okay, but it can't be too sweet because they're in an argument. Yeah, you yeah. can't go, I'm really angry with you. Yeah. So, no, I'm going to sing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. And so then we had these, like, had this, the idea of strident strings and then got got Jamie into the studios and we worked on it, said it to you or that you with him or however mm. we worked it. But we knew what the scene was going to be as a radio play almost like yes. before we shot it. Yeah, yeah. And that's how wow. the way it worked. When are you going to come down? When are you going to land? I should have stayed on the farm. I should have listened to my old man. Maybe you'll get a replacement. There's plenty like me to be found. Mongrels who ain't got a penny. Sniffing for tidbits like you on the ground. So goodbye, yellow brick road Where the dogs of society hide You can't plant me in your penthouse I'm going back to my plow Back to the howling old owl in the woods Hunting the horny back toe Oh, I finally decided my future lies Beyond the yellow brick road So what do you think you'll do then? But that'll shoot down your plane It'll take you a couple of vodka and tonics to set you on your feet again. You know they can't hold you forever. I didn't sign up with you. I'm not a present for your friends to open. This boy's too young to be saying. But it's such a beautiful idea. It was such a uh, a beautiful artistic idea to get to to get that that song being a question, but to mm-hmm. Elton, not Elton asking the question.
chemistry between Tarn and Jamie is just it's mm. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, they struck up something really special there between them and that that was that was evident in the rehearsal process. It's it's just something brilliantly organic that you have to just jump on and, and and exploit when when it happens because there's no guarantee with that. But I think when you take on as an actor maybe a role of someone who who you probably admire or you can go speak to, yeah. there's an affection for them that you immediately are drawn to them much more because you want to be you want to find as many of the answers as you can from that person. And, and having even played someone myself who was still alive. When I was an actor, they, yeah, it's really odd that having access to them and being and trying to discover who they are, something else completely new opens up about them. And Taryn and, and Jamie both had that luxury, you know. And uh, uh, Jamie went and spent time with Bernie. And, and, Amazing. And Bernie's a complex, interesting guy and, and talks very openly and similarly with Elton. So I think they were connected to their... Yeah, counterparts, and, and it in turn connects them. Yeah, I mean? I mean, and that scene really came alive in a way, and they started messing around and singing. I'm like, do that, do that, let's do that, <laughs> yeah. and they were like, great, and they, and that's why it's a bit awkward, but it beautifully sort of connects them through yeah. music, and yeah, that was something that just happens organically. Did Elton come on set at all? Not while we were shooting. He, did. he came for some rehearsals, and yeah. he came and right near the beginning. Must have been terrifying. It was, but it was a big dance <laughs> rehearsal and. No, he's brilliantly generous. He loves, yeah. you know, it's like Giles says, he's fantastically self-deprecating. Yeah. And, and in a way that you never even, I mean, like, he's I think filthy. He, I think he's, he, yeah, he's filthy, but I think if he likes the people he's working with, yeah. it makes it easier. Well, so that, there's that line in the film that uses the C word where he's like, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been a, See to people since 1970. Yeah, because it's what he <laughs> the said. The laugh yeah. in the cinema when he good? said that line was oh, amazing. Really? really? Just oh. reverberated around the Did room. It? Oh, proper belly laughs from people. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, because he said it, you know, and, and, yeah. and it's so important at that moment that he goes, oh, yeah. Because without that part of the journey, there's no climb back out. It yeah. means finally he's got some self-awareness that he's lost. He's, he's, the film's about him just losing perspective on who he is. He thinks in the beginning that when he was a nine-year-old boy, he was a bitch. That's what he thinks of himself. You know, if I'm a bitch now, I must have been a bitch then. And it, took, it takes him the whole journey of the film to go, oh, no, I was a kid. And, and to have that self-awareness and that self-perspective again, that allows him to go, I don't need any of that. I just need me. And and that's really important. And that's a hard journey to go on, but it's a fantastic one mm. because we get to use the music and the lyrics and the, yeah. the, all, the, all the things that we bring to bear to, to get there. Holy Moses, I have been removed. I have seen the spectre. He has been here too. Distant cousin from down the
amazing kind of spotlight on you know that world that we watch from afar of these people who have everything mm-hmm. in our eyes but actually the reality of it is and actually and that's that's a, that's a great that's music's a great thing for that it's a great way of, music can bring out loneliness really yeah. well because if you think about it it's just someone like elton just has such a talent for making and writing and creating great music which he gives the world but there's just one voice he's on his own. he's not a band mm-hmm. and that increases the loneliness and that's why going back to the single piano note yeah. and he's saying that's him that's that is him that single piano is him it's like this is all I've got. he's broke so broken at that stage he can't even play the piano that's mm-hmm. the idea mm-hmm. but music in its in its in its beauty can really reflect loneliness really well how how did it work with score on the film you know outside of the the songs that were a huge part because there's a there's a kind of seamlessness as well between yeah. That kind of score that's there as well we and... had matthew Marston, who you would work with he as well before, and yeah. he's great and he and I collaborated a lot because he came in slightly later onto the project and he had some great, it was a beautiful ideas, really good ideas. And I came up with a really bad idea for the opening sequence which sounded like The Apprentice, do you remember? Oh, yes. It was actually a great idea. No, no, no. It wasn't. It was a great idea. I'm your friend. I love you. It was Muslim. Yeah, well, I'm the love your friend. You're your finest man. But using the same melody because Matthew originally had a bunch of his own melodies in there and mm. then we decided that we might as well use Elton's you know that was the thing well I mean yeah I, I, I appreciate what you're saying and it's not I didn't for me it wasn't just about we might as well use Elton's because, no but I don't mean in that way I, I, mean, know, I, mean, yeah. I mean I mean I mean it it takes it away from the heartbeat of yes, the story yeah. if we don't use Elton's yeah, yeah 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 exactly and, and, and of course it's, it's harder for Matthew to navigate that because of course he wants to come in a composer and, and, mm. yeah. and bring all of that that talent to bear but the further we moved away, because it's so in the DNA of the film, the, 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 these songs, and although we mess around with them playing completely different ways and uh, reinvent them and the, the, the single voice or that, they are the connective tissue throughout yeah. the film. They are yeah. what keeps our character and his journey relevant and prevalent and part of what the journey began. And so the more we strayed off, it was like, ah, you know, you could just put a little touch of Yellow Brick Road in there because that's really what this yeah. moment is about. But each song has its identity for a big emotional moment in in the film. Yeah. Uh, whether it be isolation, whether it be joy, whether it be, you know, someone reaching out. And, and so that's why for me, they always felt just intrinsically right when it was always like, you know what? Yellow Brick Road, let's go Yellow Brick Road and zing. It was, yeah. a, it was a tough job he had because there are so many songs in the film. There's so many songs that, that start with score. Yeah. You know, whether it's, I'm sorry to be the hardest word is a good example. And to be, to decide where we needed or where you needed the score to come in around the song mm-hmm. and where the song begins with the score finish. And, and it had to be a really collaborative process, but he was great. You know, he's a, he's a super well, talented yeah, he's, guy. He's, he's fantastic. What do I got to do to make you love me? What do I gotta do to make you care? What do I do when lightning strikes me? And I hate to find that you're not there 
What do I do to make you want me? What do I gotta do to be heard? What do I say when it's all over? And sorry seems to be the hardest word. wait to see it again <laughs> if I'm being honest I really can't yeah, it's, I can't wait it stands up to a second viewing oh good yeah, yeah I'm sure it does having watched it oh, a lot <laughs> have you seen it twice I've, I think like one and a half one yeah, and three yeah. quarters yeah. I, yeah I could because I, I couldn't I couldn't watch I missed the, the beginning I was late I was, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. I was yeah, I was, yeah. Don't, if you say you left before the end I'll kill you <laughs> why was the end I still yeah, don't know no, don't worry do, do you want to know what spoiler. happened at the end yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming Elton seen it what was his response well, we were at Cannes when he saw it sort of completed and all together. He'd seen bits and pieces, and he'd certainly heard all the music before, hadn't he? Yeah, he heard all the music, but he was, you know, he was he was in floods of tears. Yeah. He was in floods of tears. I mean, we 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 did. He, he walked up to he walked up to Charles and punched him squarely <laughs> on the jaw. Like, and, then, and then and then I was in floods of tears. <laughs> <laughs> and then he yeah. Does that no, make it kind no, of no, more he was, he was pressure? Because, like you say, you know, he's he's there. He's at Cannes. About to watch this film. That's about his life. It's been left. And Bernie's there hands. as well. Yeah. yeah, both of them. Yeah, and and they're they with their loved ones. You know, it's, it is there. Yeah, of course the press pressure is massive. It's, yeah, the but... pressure the press doesn't need to be any bigger. <laughs> I, think, I think I think the pressure is also the fact that you know you throw yourselves in for eighteen months of your life or whatever it is into into a single project. You live at you know. In live destitute. Live destitute. <laughs> yeah. 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 They, don't give, they don't give us anything for this. No, no, no. And and uh, and then and you kind of want it to be. You want it. You, you know. You. Have, I. I spoke to Dex um, week before last and said, you know, if people don't like this, it's it's our fault in a way. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, Think you're going to be all right. Yeah, thanks for that, Charles. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what you said. But the fact of the matter is, is you believe you. We. You know, we're we're really proud of what yeah. what we've done. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's been it's been such a great journey to be on. And so you get to Cannes and you just think. The sense of relief that people, you know, yeah. are generally moved by it, mm. and the sense of relief that Elton John, who it's about, is really generally moved about it, is 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 amazing. Yeah, it's because I think you know it's a testament to to Taron and what he does as oh, well. So, you know, it's so complete. and all the so, cast, the cast yeah. is like yeah. Stephen Graham, you know, yeah. uh, and and Dallas, it, yeah, Bryce yeah, Dallas right. Howard is, yeah, yeah. is amazing. Yeah, yeah. But, Just, but everything rests on Taron's shoulders. Yeah. you know, you know, people. Uh, I've been nice about the music in this film, but without Taron's voice, it would be nothing. Mm. And everything when he's not singing as well, because I think that's a really, not a tricky thing to get right, but getting that balance right. Mm. So it's not all showy, mm -hmm. you know, of, of there being kind of like really raw emotion there at moments. And yeah. He just nails it. I he think he does. Just, it's it's yeah. pitch perfect, you know, with the music and with, and with the performance. It is. But I think... What it comes down to is, is like a level of commitment, isn't it? Yeah. And truth that yeah. he wants to bring to it. And I think it's the same with the songs when he sings them. Yeah. He's telling a story. He's acting yeah. the songs. And songs. he's been allowed to tell them in his way, which I love about it as well, which I read something about Elton saying he didn't turn, he didn't want yeah. him to do yeah. them as him, yeah. to do them his own way. And that, I think, allows him to really get to the core of the emotion and the story to a tell it his way. Absolutely does. And, you know, and, I, and I think that's really interesting that you pick up that because it seems like an obvious thing. So we'll just sing it the way you would sing it. But that's so important that he does do that. Yeah. That he, he he doesn't do it in a half-hearted way or kind of like, eh, do I do? he doesn't back off from it. He absolutely owns it. and Because he has to, because his commitment level doesn't allow us to doubt yeah. that he is out. Hey, kids, say I get loose together on the spotlight, 
song was created mm. and it's you know when him at the piano and Bernie kind of cut is in the bathroom and, mm. and the way that that the journey of that song and mm. that is oh my god it's so good Charles is in that bit as well yeah we'll answers on a postcard please if you my voice is in the film is it his voice is in the film my voice is in the film singing no no and being oh. posh. Please, please take your seats. No, that's not me. No, no, that's, <laughs> no, that's any person. I know, I know. No, my not. voice is in the film. This is absolutely the only person who knows this. Is, is you? Is on the radio when little Reggie comes in and goes plunk, plunk, plunk on the piano, and I go, "That was the Skitters' horse." Oh, you hands Sebastian Charles. <laughs> I'm, be, I'm doing my BBC presenter voice <laughs> from 1950. Thank and, God uh, it's changed, otherwise I would not have a job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd be really <laughs> shook. But she has an accent. Uh, yeah, so brilliant. Anyway. There we go. Um, listen, thank you so much for your time thank and you. congratulations Pleasure, again. I can't wait to see what's next. Yeah, we don't know, do we? Yeah, what's next? I'm not working with you again, you No, shot. I'm not working with you either. <laughs> it's over. Between the two of us. Let's go and get a beer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> your it's a little bit funny. This feeling inside I'm not one of those who can easily hide I don't have much money But boy, if I did I'd buy a big house where both could live was a sculptor, but then again, no, or a man who makes potions in the travel show, I know it's not much, but it's the best I can do, my gift is my song, and the 
this one's for you And you can tell everybody This is your song It may be quite simple but Now that it's done I hope you don't mind I hope you don't mind That I put down in words How wonderful life is While you're in the As reworked by Giles Martin and performed by Taryn Edgerton, that's your song by Elton John. Rounding off this bumper episode of Soundtracking with Giles, Dexter Fletcher and Olivia Wilde. My huge thanks to all three for taking the time to talk to us. Both Rocketman and Booksmart are on general release now and are hugely enjoyable in their own distinctive ways. We'll put up a Spotify playlist for the show via edithbowman.com featuring the tracks we played in the order they appeared. My website is also the place to catch up with all of our previous episodes, although your preferred podcast provider should work just as well. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK, where you'll also be able to find that video of my chat with Olivia. Next up, another hat trick of talent from one of our Soundtracking Live events at the BFI, in which we have three wonderful female composers, Carly Paradis, Amelia Warner and Emily Levenez-Farouche. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Mm-hmm.